Computer, initialize Holosuite. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Not So Random Trek Review, the podcast where we analyze, discuss, and review a recently completed Star Trek season. My name is Andrew, and I'll be co-hosting this very special bonus edition of RTR. I am joined, as always, by, uh, I mean, I guess, Matt, you know what? Usually with these season things, I let you uh, kind of pick whatever you want to be. So uh, who is your all-time favorite ensign? And that's uh, who you can be for this special edition of Lower Deck Season 2. Hmm, that is an interesting question. Um, um, I would be immediately inclined to say my favorite Ensign was Ensign Rowe. Ooh, that's an interesting one. That was actually kind of the one I was leaning towards, but I will take, uh, let me see, uh, was Ezri Dax an Ensign at one point? Yes, she was. Okay, I'll take Ensign Ezri Dax. Uh, although I think that the argument could be made that, uh, you know, uh, in the pantheon of time, some of these, uh, you know, lower decks characters might eventually creep their way into people's favorite ensigns of all time. Wait a minute. I know another ensign that I would like. Ensign Babyface. <laughs> yeah. Riker's nickname on the Pegasus. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. So, uh. <laughs> That could uh, that could be a good one. That's I guess that's the reality of it is that uh, you know you could kind of assume that everybody was an ensign at one point. Uh, I mean, other than Kirk in the JJ verse where he went from a cadet to captain, uh, I think probably almost everybody else went through all of the ranks, uh, albeit some quicker than others. You would assume so, yeah. I mean, it's not often you not often you you skip through uh, a whole fistful of ranks. Yeah, You're typically, be a I guess. Uh, pretty exceptional officer to do that. Yes, no doubt. Uh, well, I mean, let's talk about our beloved Lower Decks Ensign. Uh, and I guess before we start, I should just mention quickly that this will be a spoiler-filled episode where we will cover all of the episodes included in Season 2, as well as probably touch back on some stuff that happened in Season 1 as well. Um, this aired from August 12th, 2021 up to October 14th, 2021. And if you haven't finished it completely or if you're concerned about certain things getting spoiled for you, then uh, make sure that uh, you pause this and go and check out the, uh, the rest of the episodes that you haven't seen before you start. Uh, this season guest starred Jonathan Franks as William T. Riker, Robert Duncan McNeil as Tom Paris, we got Jeffrey Coombs back as Agamus. Alice Kriegel came back for to play the Borg Queen. And Alicia Naff came back and played Sonia Gomez, which is a bit of a deep cut. Uh, of course, just like season one, this had our showrunner, Mike McManon. And uh, I think we're going to probably cover all the episodes in and in between. So we're not going to do a synopsis. Uh, we will just kind of look at each individual as its own. Yeah, if you're not caught up, go do it right now. Big binge watch to get caught up, and then to press the play button on your uh, your your iPod. 
All right, let's begin by doing one of our uh, favorite things to do on these uh, season wrap-ups, which is the uh, the warp speed impulse p- speed section of the, of the season review. So we'll go through each of the 10 episodes, and Andrew, you're going to tell me, and I'm going to tell you what we thought of it. We'll sum it up by either saying warp speed for thumbs up, impulse speed for thumbs down. And then we'll have a little chit-chat about each of them as we go along. Actually, um, I, I believe I, I would have to kind of go back and do a quick double check, but I, I actually have a feeling that in the first season of Lower Decks, I think it was almost a clean sweep if it wasn't a clean sweep. Um, so I, I have very high expectations for, um, you know, for this particular section. I don't know whether we're going to get a, a perfect score again. Um, that was kind of a, a magical uh, thing, right? When we had our, uh, our, our first run in with uh, Lower Decks. And so, I mean, let's see. I, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of curious. So uh, similar to last time, I guess what we're just going to do, a little brief one-sentence reminder for people as to like which one uh, each one was, I guess. And for our, and for ourselves, yeah, <laughs> I mean, really. Some of these, it's been uh, you know a couple of months since they came out. I almost some of these I almost don't remember. I, I don't always remember which ones which. Right. So we'll give you we'll give you a one a one sentence summary to refresh your mind as well as our own. And I seem to also remember that I may have just said, you know what, I'm just going to save time and say warp speed for all of them. I feel like I probably did that. So I think you are correct. Yeah, I kind of have a feeling like that was the case for sure. All right, let us begin. So episode one, Strange Energies. Uh, this is the episode where Ransom becomes super powerful when exposed to strange energies. Andrew, what do you say? Warp speed or impulse speed? And this is also the one where Boimler is still on the Titan from the, uh, the previous season. So this was a, a strong start. Um, I thought that it was a good kind of connector and, and a good... Uh, jumping off point from uh, season one and we kind of jump back to where everybody was um, the strange energy thing w- was kind of funny in and of itself um, I did not expect it to be like take so much of the time I'm going to go with warp speed for this one because it's great to be back in this uh, world back in this universe and seeing where everybody is off to okay well we're off to a flying warp start uh this one, I, I'm going to say warp speed as well, but it's not like warp 10. You know, yeah, it's like I would a nice, agree. It's, it's like a nice, you know, cruising speed, cruising speed. But it was it was good, you know. Uh, this whole thing about Ransom, you know, getting exposed to these strange, strange energies. energies. And, and, and even the end where, you know, they can't, they can't figure out how to, like, get him back normal. And then it ends up being a Mariner hoofing him and then junk yeah <laughs> ends up being sort of his achilles heel and how they sort of bring him back to to more mortality I, I guess you could say it was a pretty solid episode and yeah the whole stuff with boimler on the titan was was pretty good too moving on to episode two which is k sean his his eyes wide open and this is uh the episode where uh, a collector tr- tries to collect a stuffy k sean and this is where we get introduced to Kayshawn, who is uh, the uh, Temerian security guard. What do you say, Andrew? Warp speed or impulse speed? 
this is a good one. This is kind of uh, it went a different way than what I thought. And when I when I saw the name of the title, I was almost certain that they were gonna just do a complete Darmok ripoff. So the fact that we got the collector and all those kind of uh, you know those little jokes and stuff, since I think that was really just what one episode of uh, Next Generation, maybe two. Um, I thought it was really funny. Um, and it's warp speed for me. I, I feel like this one maybe was a, a notch better than Strange Energies. So, uh, you know, we're definitely uh, leaning on the accelerator here early on in the season. Yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty good episode. Yeah, I like the, I, I liked how there was a couple of uh, like malfunctions of the Universal Translator when Kayshawn is is talking to them and he's using those Tamarian yes. metaphors. And yeah, the collector's thing was actually kind of neat because it's you know it's a callback to that famous episode. Uh, what was the name of it? I don't even remember. Uh, with, yeah. with Kivas Fajo, where he like tries to you know make he's he's the collector guy. And yeah, he and wants he's gonna to collect like, data. Data data to his collection, yeah. and so he has this elaborate ruse to make the Enterprise think that he was he he blew up in a shuttle accident. Yeah, it's a good episode. Of, and it's yeah, and it's like a. Um, I think it's called the most toys. Yes, that is what it's called. So um, yeah, no, this was a good one. I like this one too. It was, I I would say it's it's we're still sort of at cruising speed, but we're we're solidly at warp. I would say. Definitely. And that brings us to uh, episode three, which is called "We'll Always Have Tom Paris." Very clever title. Yeah, nice little tie into "We'll Always Have Paris," which is like. Uh... Kind of a, a nice uh, mixing of of the series, right? Mixing Tom Paris with our uh, our beloved uh, Dixon Hill, Next Generation stuff. Yeah, that's right. So uh, this is the episode where Tom Paris visits the Cerritos, and uh, Boimler wants him to sign his his collector plate, <laughs> which is is just. That they would bring that up is pretty. Funny. I think that I read that that's like a real plate, like that's actually an actual piece of. Uh, you know, that's actually like a piece of memorabilia that you can get and buy. I know that in the '90s they used to make those. Oh yeah, plates, plates for everything. For for everything, yeah. So whether that like is actually a sort of a caricature of an actual plate that they put right. out, I don't, I don't know. But I know they made those plates for all kinds of. I'm sure that they'll make one in. Things. Yeah, they'll make one and put it onto uh, the Star Trek dot com shop, no doubt. Or you can probably find like homemade ones on Etsy, like today. Probably, or like yeah. the day after that episode was made. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, what do you say, warp speed, impulse speed? Yeah, this is warp speed, and this this is kind of back to the level of quality that I was expecting and was excited for after the first season. Um, this one is definitely a runner for one of my favorite episodes of the season. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, th this, this one's a really solid warp speed. Like we're, you know, the, the previous two were definitely like the end of the episode. Like, uh, we have to get to the next, uh, star base. This is like, we got to get into the action. Let's, uh, let's crank it up. Let's, uh, get pushing up into like warp eight, warp nine, maybe. Yeah. This one, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go sort of with the, voyager thing here and say this is a warp 9.975 <laughs> yeah you know this yeah this is a really good really funny episode i love at the end you know boimler goes through all that crazy stuff to get to the bridge in time to get him and he's he drops down from the ceiling and his hair is all mangled he's all covered in mud and 
dirt and grime. And Paris, Paris's immediate reaction is, Akazon! And he goes and just beats yes. the snot out of yes. him. It was, that was just, that was so fun. That I was just, really I love that whole episode. Yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of really good funny moments. And the ending was, was really, really good. Uh, let's move on to Mugato Gumato. Uh, this is the episode where the uh, Ferengi, uh, there's a bunch of Ferengi that are hoarding Mugatos on a uh, strange planet that they're not uh, native to. Uh, what do you say, warp speed or impulse? Speed? Yeah, it's a warp speed, but this one was actually a, uh, this was a warp speed probably just for kind of like uh, the jokes uh, here and here and there. Um, I, I really don't remember that Mugato um or Gumato, whatever it is, the big furry guys from the original series. Um, I really didn't remember that. Um, and, and I was actually kind of, I almost had to go back and, and kind of Google it to see. And then, of course, it was just so ridiculous. Um, that was from A Private Little War. And then it actually showed up again. Uh not until lower decks, I guess. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's a warp speed for me, but it's mostly just kind of the writing in this case. I didn't think that it was that great in terms of like the storyline. It was a bit of a random uh, foray away from the, the main stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, but the Frangie bits was, were funny and there was some really good, solid jokes in this one, I thought. Yeah, I'll say warp speed for this one as well. Yeah, the that Mugato episode from the original series is is kind of suspect but i think because that creature is so iconic and it's so distinctive right. i think that's why a lot of star trek fans really identify with it um I, I, I there were some really funny parts in this like i don't know if you remember there was that like random alien in the woods that had the aussie accent that was obviously yes supposed to be like a a riff on the crocodile hunter because yeah. They're like, oh, this guy sounds like he knows everything about them. And he's like, oh, yeah, I read, like, one book. Yeah. So I know everything. And then he immediately gets his, like, head ripped uh, Yeah, off. which you could see coming a mile away, but it was still right. really funny. That's right, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of – this was a – I, I tend to agree that it was kind of not the greatest story, but it, it had a lot of really funny moments that, that, you know, I admittedly laughed pretty hard at. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll go warp speed. I also it's did like speed. to, I mean, I don't know if we're going to really roll back and, and talk about these episodes specifically, but I did like the idea that at the end, the way that they were able to get around it, remember, was it Boimler and Rutherford were playing like that ridiculous game that was like very similar to the one that Dax and uh, Quark used to play on Deep Space Nine? Um and uh, in the end, they basically use their knowledge of economics and basically convince the Ferengi to create like a preserve because they'll make more money from the tourism than they will from selling the <laughs> horns, which is kind of like a nice little Star Trek take on like essentially what's happening in Africa with rhinoceroses and elephants and and things in our own world that are going extinct. They're learning that, you know, there's actually more money in tourism uh, and saving these things than there is in like eradicating them for uh, the ivory or or for whatever thing that they want to do. So that was actually a really nice touch uh, and a nice uh, Star Trek-y kind of moment, I thought. It was a much less nefarious version of that game. I think it's called Tongo is the game yes. that Dax and Quark used to play. Yeah. But this one, I forget the name of what, what Boimler and Rutherford were I think it was like it called, was like, it was called like Economy or something. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we... Uh, 
where the whole the goal of the game is to like come to a perfect compromise right like each person is like equally unhappy with, <laughs> with the agreement yeah it's a it's a very lower decks thing for them to do though yeah it was really funny all right moving on to uh, one of my favorite episodes of the season an embarrassment of duplers uh, this is when the Cerritos is uh, overrun with uh, duplers, which are those aliens that duplicate when they get uh, when they feel threatened. Would you what would you what would you go with this one, warp or impulse? The, yeah, no, this one's warp speed for me. I I do think that this episode probably um, was the biggest like split. Um, it was. I don't want to say dichotomous. I don't think that's the right word. But essentially with this episode, I thought that the Dupler thing was hilarious. They made so many funny jokes and it was like so well done. Uh, this is also the one where Tendi and Rutherford are making the model. And as somebody who like used to do models when I was a kid and stuff, I, I appreciated that. Um, and like I do think that the Duplers is maybe like a little bit too far. Like I, I kind of would can't imagine the Dupler species in one of the live action shows, which I don't really like, but then they did such a good job of it. I kind of think that it was, it was worth it in a way. Um, and this is also the one where uh, Mariner and Boimler kind of like have their rekindling of their friendship and they end up in like that dive bar at the end and uh, Kirk and Spock have their, their knaves carved into it. It kind of ends on a sentimental note. Um, so like, yeah, totally warp speed for me. I don't think the Duplers realistically would exist in the Star Trek universe. Maybe they would, um, but I have a hard time imagining it. And I was more than willing to, uh, you know, to, to just kind of overlook it and enjoy the ride. How about you? Oh, yeah, this is a warp speed for sure. I, I love this episode. I thought the Duplers was, like you said, like it, it's kind of a stretch and it's something that you can probably only do in an animated show. But there was just so much funny stuff there, like... At the beginning, they're like tiptoeing around and being like so careful about what they're saying. And as soon as the Dupler guy leaves the conference room, they're all just like, oh, oh my goodness. Like, what are we going to do? How much longer do we have until we can drop this guy off? And then when they uh, when they discovered that, like insulting them actually reduces them, better, yeah. I thought there was some hilarious stuff there. Like, I love when, when Shax, like, goes right up to the one guy and he goes, your paw is weak and it sickens me. And he's like, <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I don't like your tone. And then the two of them, you know, go back Join together. back together, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, uh, even though the sort of Argo chase, sort of ripping off Nemesis, when yes. they, were trying, they were trying to get to that uh, the the loose party, Star, yeah. Star Trek party. I mean, that was kind of not the greatest, but... But, you know, the whole thing as a, the episode as a whole was just so funny. I, I'd hardly even had time to shake my fist at my TV when they sort of spoofed on that, which is, as we've discussed, uh, one of the, one of the, low, the weaker low times, yeah. Star Trek, uh, Star Trek lore, especially the movies. But uh, yeah, the episode as a whole was hilarious. I loved it. All right, next is the, uh, the spy humongous. Uh, this is this is when the Packlets send their uh, not-so-secret spy to the Cerritos to try to uh, gather information. Uh, would you say this is a warp speed or impulse speed? This one's a warp speed. I was kind of surprised at how long it took to kind of get the Packlets back into, into the action, right? It seems like they're going to be kind of like the main villain, I guess, of Lower Decks. Uh, you know, if we kind of look at... Uh, 
the Romulans and Next Generation, the Borg and Voyager. It does somewhat feel like the Packleds might be the the kind of overarching villain throughout uh, throughout Lower Decks, which is hilarious. It's about the best villain you could probably pick in terms of like uh, you know what what you're what you're going to choose for a comedy show. Uh, this one's really good. I actually think that the Packlet stuff was the weakest part. Um, I much preferred the the part with Boimler joining like that elite group of red shirts that uh, were always trying to kind of like one up them, themselves, and they were going to uh, you know kind of Become like the acting captain. Yeah, I guess so. Or <laughs> they were. They, I think it was more that they were going to try to um, like inspire each other. I guess to like be their best uh, selves and. Again, I love that. Uh, I love that uh, ending where you know he realizes that he has everything he wants and his friends with uh, Mariner and Tendi and Rutherford. So um, yeah, this is a warp speed for me. Um, the Packlet stuff was eh, it was okay. Um, I, I really enjoyed the Boimler stuff, and this one probably had my favorite ending to an episode where they use the um, sub. Uh, what is it? The Casting Stone or whatever it is, to basically start making fun of Armis, who's, like, still sitting oh, on that planet yes. by himself. Um, oh, that yes. is such a funny ending um, that, yeah, this one's warp speed for sure. I totally forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, let's prank call Armis. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, what's going on? who's saying that? It's so funny. Did you see the tweet from uh, Denise Crosby after that aired? Uh, maybe I did. Yeah, I... I, I you might have to refresh my memory. I, I think I knew she she tweeted, but I don't know what she said. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think she just sort of made a, made a note of saying like, "Yeah, you tell those that yeah, yeah, stupid yeah. armist or something like that," or and and kind of laughed. Yeah, it was that was hilarious. Uh, yeah, this one's a warp speed for me. I, I I thought this one was pretty funny. There's a lot of funny moments with that spy on the ship where he's <laughs> he's uh, you know they give him the the Cerritos T-shirt and he's you know they're they're Kayshawn and uh and ransom are like trying to feed him misinformation and like trying to you know weasel information out of him and then and then they sort of turn their backs for like two seconds and he's disappeared yes and they're all they're all panicking they're like oh no where did he go um yeah it was and then and then in the end he ends up like floating out into space after he asked him to go where the where the bathroom was yeah and I do love that he was wearing like a like a commemorative um, oh, a commemorative uh, Cerritos T-shirt as well from the gift shop. Yeah. yeah, that was really funny. I think you can get that shirt actually. It's uh, available on uh, StarTrek.com, uh, which um, is uh, uh, that's a pretty cool one actually. I uh, I don't I don't spend I don't like getting that stuff because you always have to pay so much for shipping especially up here in uh, the Great White North. But uh, if I was going to get a shirt, I do kind of feel like that'd be a pretty cool one to get. Yeah, and I love how the sort of, like, uh, capper to that whole, like, group of red shirts that's, like, you know, scheming to move up the ranks quickly is, uh, you know, Shax goes to the one guy and he goes, go clean up the airlock. The Packlet did something unspeakable in there. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> like he thought it was an outhouse. That's funny. Basically put that, that one red shirt guy in his place. All right, moving on to Where Pleasant Fountains Lie. This is the episode where uh, Billup's mother mother shows up uh, Loxana Troy style. So there's that whole thing where, uh, well, anyways, we'll, we'll get into sort of more specifics. Uh, Andrew, what do you say, warp speed or impulse speed? Oh, this one is a tough one for me. Um, 
part of the the problem I have with this one is that it really is kind of split between two different episodes. So the the stuff with Billups and Rutherford and the Queen on the like that Renaissance ship or or whatever it was. I guess it's supposed to be like the Loax on a Troy thing. Um, uh, it did not do it for me. I did not love it that much. And I, I know that like a lot of people online love the Billups character. Um, I only really enjoy him in, in small doses. So to have him full time here, oof. The other problem is, is this is the one with Agamus, which is the Jeffrey Coombs episode. Um, and that part was hilarious how he wanted to keep getting plugged into like every computer and <laughs> he kept trying to coerce them into doing it. I'm really on the fence, man. I, I'm leaning towards impulse speed. Uh, I oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm actually going to go warp speed. And the only reason why I'm going to is literally just because of Jeffrey Coombs and uh, that Argamas thing where he kept trying to get plugged into the computer. Every time they put him down, like he put his cords out and get closer and closer to the outlet. Um uh, it's yeah, I'm gonna go warp speed, but this is probably like warp one. Um it, it, the the billup stuff really didn't work for me. How about you? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tarnish our perfect record. This this was an impulse for me. Despite oh, really? the fact that uh you know Jeffrey Coombs was uh was very hilarious as Agamus, the evil computer. Um and I did love at the end how he ends up in this like vast Yeah, with all the other area. ones with like thousands of other evil computers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh that the, the billup stuff was like extremely cringe for me. Like I just it, it was uncomfortable at times. And I thought that that whole Renaissance thing was just like that to me is like veering into family guy territory and I'm not yeah. a fan of that sort of ham fisted family guy kind of humor. So yeah, this this one this is one that stood out to me as really not being uh up to par with uh, what we've gotten so far uh, for lower decks. So yeah, impulse speed for me. It was it was not. I mean, it's it's. I would maybe say it's like you know three quarters impulse. It's not like we're you know yeah we're not a barely stop. crawling along because the, the Agamus stuff was really funny. But uh, yeah, it, for me it was overshadowed by this this whole Billups uh, part. Well, it's too bad, but honestly, I think it was a, it was inevitably going to happen. So. Um... Now it has, and we won't have to worry about, uh, you know, pulling punches in the future. All right, next, we're sort of getting into the home stretch here. We're up to uh, I Erectus, which uh, is an interesting title. Uh, this is the episode where Shari Yen, Bem, uh, Yen Yem shows up. That's a tough one to say. Uh, turns up on the ship and puts the, th the crew through a series of simulations. Uh, what do you say, Andrew? Warp speed or impulse speed? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to how this one's going to go. This is a warp speed for me. I loved this um, with uh, Boimler basically just trying to perfect the speed run of the, uh, the Borg simulation and uh, Mariner going to the old West planet. Um, I wasn't crazy on Shrari and Yem. The only reason why I even remember what that character was, was because, uh, actually before Matt and I started officially with RTR, we did a couple of like practice runs. I was wondering if you would remember this. Yeah. Bem, remember that, uh, animated <laughs> series episode, um, was one of the ones we did as our practice. So I, I, I did appreciate that. It's a deep, deep cut. Um, I think for me, uh, like in, 
September and October, I was really into those uh, like Resident Evil games. And uh, as a kid, I used to spend a lot of time basically trying to kind of like perfect these like speed runs, you know, where you, you try to do it with like limited ammo or try to do it in a certain amount of time. And so Boimler going through again and again and again just really kind of resonated with me. And it was really funny uh, saving the Borg babies and stuff like that. So I'm going to go warp speed on that one as well. Okay, I'm this one's a tough one for me um it i am gonna say warp speed because it is pretty pretty funny and yeah the the whole thing about boimler trying to like you know as you say perfect the speed run as it were the thing i didn't like about it though is it was kind of a you know kind of a heavy-handed way to throw in just a million numerous yeah. callbacks and i i'm not a huge huge fan of that when they when they do that um, in lower decks, uh, but th I mean, there is enough there uh, that I enjoyed the episode, and I thought it was pretty funny at times. Uh, it was it was very interesting to see that same character, that alien, I guess, that can like you know, split, split apart and in, stuff, like, three parts and stuff, and they generally tend to be very mischievous and cause trouble. Um, so uh, yeah, I will say warp speed, but it was. Uh, it was warp speed because it was still funny, even though I wasn't really crazy about kind of the general uh, idea behind the episode. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I think that's all very, uh, very well point put. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I do agree with you. It was getting a little bit close to leak. Yeah, exactly what you said with the family guy stuff, just a million callbacks, 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 which, um, yeah, I I appreciate them, but I don't want to see too, too much of that, you know? All right, we're into the uh, penultimate episode of the season. Uh, you'll have to forgive my Klingon accent. I'm not exactly fluent in the language, but Wej uh, Duj, which is uh, Lower Decks Klingon and Vulcan style. Um, and sort of the next, uh, sort of the part on the Cerritos was that uh, Boimler needs a uh, senior staff friend. So he tries to make friends with uh, one of the senior staff. Uh, what do you think, Andrew? Warp speed or impulse speed? So I have a friend at work who he's older than me by, you know, 15, 20 years. And uh, we all often chat about, uh, you know, lower decks or discovery or, or, or whatever the, the Star Trek uh, show of the day is. And uh, he told me that this was his favorite episode of lower decks yet. He said that it was the, you know, encapsulation of a perfect Star Trek episode. And when he told me that, I really should have went back and watched it. Because for me, this is actually the first time I'm going to go impulse speed. I just didn't really resonate with the whole lower decks on the other ships. I get it. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I think it's a great idea. But... It just didn't do anything for me. Um, I was always just pining for the Cerritos guys, our, you know, our favorites, our, our lower decks, uh, people that we're used to. And whenever they went to the Vulcan ship or the Klingon ship, I just it just didn't work for me. So uh, I'm going to uh, break my little streak there. And I'm going to go with impulse speed for Wedge Dedge. Uh, how about you, Matt? You're basically... Uh, you going to side with me, uh, my buddy at work, or are you going to be somewhere in between? Uh, I really like this episode. Okay. Um, 
it uh, I, I like that they um, you know they sort of give us a different perspective um, you get to see the, the the you know life at the bottom of the rung bottom rung of the ladder on a Klingon ship and you get to see a Vulcan that's uh, you know doesn't necessarily fit in with the, the chain of command and all that and it was kind of it was very you know it's pretty decent how they sort of brought it all together in the end as well because you you know early on in the episode you're thinking like what does what does one thing have to do with another and then they do sort of bring it together in the end in a way that's not contrived and or ridiculous um and there were some funny funny moments uh throughout the episode i thought so yeah this is one that uh I don't know if I would go so far as to say it's my favorite episode of Lower Decks or, or even my favorite episode of the season, but I, I did quite enjoy it, and I definitely would uh, give it a, you know, a solid, like, Warp 7. Okay, so do you think that I should go back and rewatch this one, or do you think that, you know, somebody who's most interested in the Starfleet people is going to have a trouble, you know, kind of uh, really appreciating this one? Ah, I mean, if you don't like it, you don't like it, you know, that's uh, the way that's it is. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. And you know what? I'm actually like one of those people where uh, you always read, you know, oh, it would be a, such a great idea to do like uh, an episode based 100% on the Klingons or on the Vulcans or whatever. And that just sounds like the absolute worst to me. Like, I don't think I would even watch <laughs> a show where that was the premise. So um, that's kind of like leaning into what this would maybe be and I, I think maybe it's just one of those things where I just know that I, I don't really uh, I just don't really like that kind of thing you know yeah I, I the other thing I would say is that I, I I mean the Vulcan part was more about that one officer that was you know right sort of out there in left field I felt like the Klingon stuff was was pretty faithful to what we already know about Klingon so that's the the other sort of part of it that I, that I liked and I thought that the the Borg lower decks during the, the credits where it's just that them was standing funny. there. Yes. Was, was pretty funny. That was funny. I will give you that. All right. And finally, we get to the uh, the season finale, which is called First First Contact. Uh, this is where the Cerritos needs to make a daring trek across an asteroid field to save the Archimedes. And then at the end, Captain Freeman is arrested. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, what did you think about this one? Warp speed or impulse speed? A strong closer. Um, I don't know that it was as good as the the last season. Um, almost certainly it wasn't as good as the last season, but I, I appreciated it. I liked the, uh, you know, I liked the tension and stuff. It wasn't maybe as, as, as funny as some of the other episodes, but it definitely was a solid way to close out. So it's going to be a warp speed for me. Yeah, this one's a warp speed for me as well. Like you said, I thought this was a good way to, to end the season. Um, I am very disappointed about one thing, though, and that is that Sonia Gomez didn't spill hot chocolate. Yeah, that seemed kind I of was... like a missed opportunity, <laughs> right? I, I, when I heard, I heard that she would be on it, like, like fairly close to when I watched it, but I did know ahead of time that, oh, they're bringing back that character. Yeah, it's like, uh, if you're going to bring her back, it's like she had one thing that was memorable. She She's known for spilling coffee on Captain, or not coffee, hot chocolate on Captain Picard. Like, how did that not happen? I know she mentioned, like she alluded yes. to it when she was talking to somebody, but I that, to me, that's like a golden opportunity. Like, you have to do it. You got to just... It doesn't even matter who it is. It doesn't have to be like 
an admiral Captain or something. Freeman yeah. or an admiral. It just has to be somebody because like I would have laughed my you know what off if that had happened. And so I was very disappointed about that. But um, there's a lot of uh, like to me this is like a, a a take on like the classic TNG cliffhanger. And they even they even mirror redemption when they have that scene where they're all sort of lined up on the corridor and they're expecting Captain Freeman to be like leaving for to captain a new ship, but instead they take her out in cuffs um, because she gets arrested, which I thought was I thought that was pretty cool, a pretty nice uh, you know throwback to some of those next generation cliffhangers and. Uh, I mean, the, the, the whole thing about them having to remove all the hull plates was a little bit outlandish. Yeah, um, but it was, it was still kinda, pretty good. But it was kind of interesting to, like, I guess, see the ship without its skin. Yep. If totally. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, ramps ramped up the tension for sure. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, of course. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, overall, I thought it was a pretty, pretty solid ending to the season. And I'm certainly uh, curious to know what's going to happen to poor Captain Freeman. So, uh yeah, this is another solid warp, you know, warp seven, warp eight for me. All right, and that means that uh, each of us ended up with nine warp speeds and one impulse speed for season two of Lower Decks. All right, Matt, uh, my other favorite uh, part of the end of the season is to kind of like uh, look through each of the, the main characters. And I mean, I guess we can talk about... Uh, the our favorite uh, guest character as well and, and basically break it down to love them or hate them so um as we typically do we start with the main character and that of course is ensign beckett mariner and did you love beckett did you hate beckett and maybe go a step further and just talk a little bit about uh, what you thought in terms of her character arc this season well, I, I definitely enjoyed beckett mariner yeah, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a interesting uh, look through the season. I mean, she's sort of, I think she's starting to mellow out a little bit, which I kind of like because she was uh, rather over the top and kind of in your face <laughs> when the series first started, which uh, it's a little different than what we normally get with uh, with Star Trek shows. But uh, I think we're starting to see her, uh, you know, mellow out a little bit have a you know maybe a bit of a stronger connection with her crewmates and uh i think that's a good thing so um yeah definitely loved uh mariner this uh this season yeah i i love mariner i think that uh she she's such a great character to, to center a show around uh i don't think that we got as much out of her as we did in season one, obviously with season one, we had that whole big arc about, uh, you know, not knowing who, uh, you know, her mother was and all the, the kind of, I guess, uh, drama and, and issues with the mom that, uh, that we ended up getting. We still have some of that. Like there's a little bit of a residual thing, but I don't think that it was as good. Uh, I think we probably could have, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I do kind of think we could have gotten a little bit uh, more out of her actual story arc. Uh, and I think they tried to create some tension with her and Boimler at the beginning because she was obviously mad that uh, he had left. Uh, but then uh, they kind of make up relatively quickly, relatively easily. So I love Beckett as a character. I, I think that uh, she's a great main character, but... 
I think that we definitely got less in season two than we did in season one. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it was definitely less uh, centered on on Mariner. Yeah, I, I think so. And now, uh, obviously, the other kind of main character, and they can kind of be co-main characters to a certain extent, is uh, Boimler. Uh, so Boimler's arc this season is, he, of course, starts on the Titan, and then he gets duplicated uh, in very, uh, you know, Thomas Riker fashion. Uh, and so they have to send uh, one of them back to the uh, Cerritos, and uh, he comes back makes amends, has a little bit of trouble fitting in. He tries it with the red, the red shirts. He tries to get the commander friend. Um, and then uh, we're just kind of left uh, almost like a heroic arc for Boimler because he ends up kind of saving the ship in the last episode where he has to dive in through the, the dolphins that are uh, the, not the dolphins, the whales that live in the, in the ship. Uh, what are your thoughts on Boimler? Do you love Boimler or do you hate him? I certainly love the Boimler uh, scream. Yeah. <laughs> that we get like a bazillion times over the course of the season. I thought Boimler was uh, excellent comic relief. Um, you know, he still sort of had that sort of bumbly uh, demeanor where he was always trying to work his way up and it always led to, to, to trouble. And he always, you know, would have the best intentions, but sometimes he wouldn't, uh, you know, do what he needed to do in the most graceful uh, way possible. But, uh, yeah, overall, love Boimler. Uh, some really, really funny stuff, and uh, you know, some some interesting development. I mean, we see him go to the Titan and then come back again. So yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, were you somewhat surprised that they didn't, uh, you know, include the duplicate as a? Because they kind of made it seem like he was maybe a little bit evil, or he there was something nefarious about him, especially like the last scene where they leave and they. Uh, you know, they, they kind of show him talking to, to Riker. Did you think that that was going to come back and were you kind of disappointed that it didn't happen? No, I actually didn't think it would. I, I thought that they, I, I thought that they kind of needed to wrap that up because you can't keep going back and forth between them. So I wasn't really surprised that we didn't see any, any more of that. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, somewhere down the road, you know, the Boimler's twin comes back and he turns out to be a you villain know, dr evil or something but yeah i i wasn't really surprised that they they didn't go back to that yeah i i kind of have a suspicion that they might set up like a data lore kind of relationship between the two boimlers i kind of think that that might be a, a cool uh thing to to look into in the uh in the next season i guess yeah it could be i i don't know that i, I think i maybe didn't mention it. i mean i obviously love boimler uh, I think that uh, he's got a pretty cool arc here just with, uh, you know, starting off on the Titan and then getting moved back and uh, kind of struggling to, to fit in and then eventually kind of, uh, I guess, accepting or uh, realizing that he has everything that he needs with the, uh, the group of friends on the Cerritos. So, yeah, definitely. I love Boimler uh, and uh, gets a thumbs up for me. So. Uh, next up, Matt is, of course, Tendi. So Devana Tendi. Now, we don't get a ton of Tendi specific episodes here, but we do get uh, a couple. Um, and uh, what are your thoughts on Tendi and her arc? Do you love her or do you hate her? Tendi's the kind of person that if I knew them in real life, I would probably not like them much. <laughs> <laughs> 
but um, she provides a lot of funny stuff, and she's a good kind of counter to you know Beckett and Mariner uh, with her sort of you know uh, you know Mariner's sort of the cynical type, and Boimler's you know the eager to please type, and you know Tendy is just the like super bubbly super friendly you know nice you know nice person um so i think it's good that she's there to kind of balance that out a little bit um and she had some good moments over the course of the series or season there was the uh the episode where she had to go retrieve that uh all right artifact for uh for uh dr taana yeah and it ended up he just just wanted the box yeah yeah there was some some really good stuff from tendy in that episode and uh yeah, I, I would I would say that I, I do love Tendi on the show, but I don't know if I would like her so much in real life. It's funny because I, I almost kind of feel like Tendi is one of those people that it's like it would be hard to not like her. Like, I, I think that she's kind of just like one of those really lovable kind of people, whether it was real life or whether it was, um, you know, on a television show. She definitely had a couple of... Uh, standout moments uh, she had some kind of away mission stuff with well mariner like the one that you just mentioned but they also went out of their way to do a tendy boimler combo uh, and they even mentioned it at one point they're like oh we've never really done anything together which i thought was really cool uh <laughs> they've kind of developed this like will they won't they relationship with uh with rutherford which i think is kind of interesting in and of itself but yeah like i love tendy i think that uh they probably use her just enough uh, that it's not uh, it's not like overkill, and so they do a really good job. Um, so, uh, speaking of Rutherford, that's our next uh, that's our next character and kind of the last of the main characters. Uh, what were your thoughts of Rutherford this season, and uh, did you love him or did you hate him? Yeah, Rutherford's kind of in the same. Well, I, I did like Rutherford. Um, he's. he's He's sort of the um, happy-go-lucky kind of guy, which is, uh, again, another sort of a distinct personality, but but not uh, that kind of balances out with the other ones, I thought. Um, Yeah, he had some good moments. I kind of like that whole thing about him, like, building the model ship that, like, actually works like the ship. Yes. (laughs) It's very, I mean, that seems like a very Rutherford thing to do. Um, and he had, you know, he had some good moments over the course of the the season as well. Um, yeah, I got no problem with Rutherford. Yeah, I would say the same. I, I definitely don't think that uh, it's my favorite of the bunch. I think that Boimler and, and Mariner would be my favorite, probably. Um, he's probably my least favorite of the the main four, but I still love him. I think that it is a uh, a well written character. They did some cool stuff at the beginning, just because he was having such a hard time dealing with. Uh, Shaq's uh, sacrificing himself and there's that really funny episode where he just comes back and they're like don't say anything don't ask him how he came back like the the main characters get killed all the time they'll just come back it's uh nothing that us lower deck guys should know about and uh that was pretty funny uh it definitely seems like they're going to do something with the uh, prosthetic eye or the, the, implant. the implant and it seems like maybe they gave it to him like against his will or something. So I think that's going to be a through line through the next season. So I'm, I'm curious to kind of see where they go with that. Uh, now, uh, the next chunk of people, I think that we can probably just kind of go tit for tat. If there's anything specifically that you wanted to mention or talk about, then then you can. Uh, but uh, I feel like uh, we don't need to go into as de- as deep a depth. So uh, our first uh, minor, minor, minor character is... Uh, 
Captain Freeman, Captain Carol Freeman, what were your thoughts on her this season? Uh, I like I Freeman, and I like the fact that she's starting to sort of uh, be in a position where maybe she's able to do something more significant than be the captain of, you know, one of the most insignificant ships in Starfleet. Right. They, they've made a, they've, they've done her development, I think, pretty well. Yep, I think that they uh, they did a good job with Freeman. They uh, they they kept her interesting. They kept her fresh. They kept her kind of growing, um, and uh, she she's kind of like outgrowing the role, which is kind of a cool thing. So yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I I really liked uh, Freeman this this season, and I think that they kind of moved her in the right direction. Uh, what were your thoughts on Commander Jack Ransom? I love the character, but they didn't really do much with ransom this season no. i feel like the strange uh, energies i mean the, the strange energies was really it and i guess during that spy episode he has some he has some you know memorable moments but uh our, our resident mimbo i felt like he didn't he didn't really get enough uh airtime this this time around yeah i agree i i think that uh i think that he's good but i uh yeah i would like to see more but i i'm not gonna really hold that against him I, I do think that uh, he was in enough stuff that uh, I'll put him into my love it category. Uh, how about Shax? Now, he doesn't come back, I don't think, until maybe the second or third episode. But um, what were your thoughts on uh, Shax's return, number one? And then did you love what he did with uh, the remainder of the season, or did you hate it? The return's a tough one because, on the one hand, it is funny that they bring him back and give no explanation whatsoever right but it's hard to uh, it's hard to wrap your head around because like there's no reasonable way that you make that work well i think that's what the joke is right is that they just kind of brought him back and the joke is is like we're not going to tell you it's it's like people have died and come back and it is what it is i guess i'm just too rational to be able to (laughs) to accept that be okay with that but i love shacks shacks is probably He's my favorite, certainly of the kind of secondary characters, uh, just because he's he's such a perfect caricature of what Worf was like as a security officer. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I, I I love the character. I okay with how he came back. I guess I, I get the I get the joke, but I it's hard to for, for me to accept. I suppose. Yeah, I uh, I love Shaxx. Uh, I I mean he's kind of another one of these characters, right? Where it's, uh, it's less is more, you know, I, I do kind of feel that, uh, he's not in it a ton. He probably would maybe like outwear his welcome, but, uh, I'm going to put love him just because I feel like, uh, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's still solid in all the episodes that he shows up in. Next up, Dr. Tana. Now Tana's an interesting one just because I feel like when you go online forms, the internet, not that that is the most important place or anything, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like this is a beloved character online. Maybe it's because internet people love cats or something. Uh, what's your thoughts on Dr. Tana? <laughs> do you uh, do you still have the same kind of feelings you had season one, or do you uh, have you kind of grown tired of the shtick? No, the shtick hasn't grown old on me yet. I still think it's pretty funny that she just curses and swears at everybody and is a very unpleasant person to be around uh, unless you put a giant box in your office uh, right. office floor. <laughs> I, 
I got no problems with Tana. Yeah, I, I love Tana. I, I don't think she's my favorite of the senior staff, but I, I definitely think that it is a great uh, it's a great use of the character. And, uh, yeah, it's really kind of hard not to like her. She's so curmudgeon and and... Uh, sour all the time that it, it's 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 funny uh now the next couple are going to be maybe a little bit more of an interesting uh, debate here the next one is andy billups now uh i said i was on the close for the billups episode for going impulse speed and maybe retroactively i might need to go back and kind of make that change but um you actually said impulse speed for the billups stuff uh is it enough to say that you're not really digging the billups character uh, or was that just kind of like a one-off uh, episode that, uh, you know, featured him? Uh, I mean, I've been lukewarm on Billups throughout the show. So, I mean, that episode really didn't endear the character to me uh, much at all. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go hate him just because he's got that bizarre, messed up background that created a uh, difficult episode to get through. Okay, wow. And you know what? Shockingly, I'm going to agree with you. I just don't get it. Um, maybe there is, uh, like, maybe there's just something that I, I'm missing, but, like, I just don't really find it that funny. And, and sadly, I feel like it's uh, the worst episode that they've done so far. It, well, maybe not the worst. Um, but, I mean, it definitely is kind of up there for uh, the episodes that, that I just am not really enjoying that much. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with with hate him. Um, I do think that they can probably do something to kind of like rectify it. But I, I don't know. I, I think that they need to maybe do less with them or something because I just did not really sit well with me either. Uh, all right, uh, and lastly, um, I don't know that they've formally made him part of the senior staff, but definitely he was a big part of this season. That is Kayshawn, which I guess he was the security when Shax wasn't there, but then when Shax came back, he just kind of was still around. Hanging around. You know, <laughs> like, uh, so uh, what are your thoughts on that one particular episode? I know you already talked about, but then also just uh, in general with your... Uh, with Kayshawn. I don't, there isn't really enough to say one way or the other. I do think it's cool that they had a Tamarian. Yep. And I do think it's cool that he has like the dagger on his front. Yep. That's just cool like too. Just like they did in that episode. Um, I mean, I'll say love him just on the, the concept and, and you know, who, who knows, maybe we'll get more in later seasons with him, but I think it's cool that they have a Tamarian, uh, I guess, you know, deputy security, officer yeah i i agree cool yeah no i i I totally agree um i'll put him in the same boat but um i definitely kind of feel like yeah i i think that there's probably um more to come uh with uh with him and uh i think that uh all the potential is there Um, is there anybody else that you kind of want to talk about or did you maybe want to also give me your favorite guest appearance? Because we didn't really talk about um, them as we went through. Did you have one that kind of stood out as being better than the others or were they all just kind of the same? Uh, I really like Tom Paris. Yeah, I, I think, think I agree. That was the one that jumped out at me as being the best. Uh, you know, Ag- Agamus was pretty good too. But yeah, Tom Paris was one that I thought was uh, 
you know, spot on. It was a little bit different too, right? Like the Riker one was essentially the same thing that we got the first time through. Um, and I mean, the Borg Queen was in it for so little. And the Sonia Gomez one, they just kind of like, uh, I guess they didn't really use it to the best of their abilities. So yeah, I think I'd have to go with uh, Tom Paris as well. Were you surprised that we didn't get more cameos from former Star Trek people? Maybe a little, but... You know, at what point is it overkill? Well, I think that, yeah, if you start putting, you know, I mean, we had, what, five? And it's a 10-episode season. So, I mean, that's one every other. That's probably lots, really, if you think about it. Yeah, and I mean, you, you know, if you're writing the show, you want it to stand on its own two feet, right? Yeah, I would totally agree. I think for, for that reason alone, I think Mike McMahon and, and the writers have sort of know that they should, you know, Keep it, keep it to a minimum. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, I guess that's it for the characters. Um, we might as well kind of, I guess, swing over into some of the production stuff. Um, this was a really fast turnaround, I feel like. Um, they were able to write, produce, film, edit, uh, and uh, advertise uh, all within one calendar year. Um, and not just one calendar year, but probably uh, one of the, the most difficult years in uh, uh, global history, as uh, all of this had to be done basically over Zoom uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, my question to you, Matt, is do you think that this was slightly rushed? Uh, how impressed are you that they were able to do this, even though there were obviously major limitations? And do you think that they maybe should have given it a little bit more time to breathe and, and to get it a little bit tighter uh, in terms of the um, in terms of the writing? Uh, when you say it they only took a year, I, it's hard to believe that it was. It's only been a year since season one of Lower Decks. Yeah, I mean, I I, I say that only because I think our perception of time has been, <laughs> it's been warped drastically permanently. altered by this whole nonsense that we've all had to deal with for the past 18 months but um i i don't really feel like there was a drastic drop in quality of writing or or really anything uh i i feel like it was just as good as well maybe well i would say it's comparable with season one uh, i didn't i didn't notice any any significant differences i, I don't think i think that season one is just a hair better it's a little bit tighter um, I think that, uh, you know, second season is amazing. Uh, it is, it has all the, the laughs and everything else, but I, I think the season one was just so different. It was like nothing that anybody was expecting. I remember you and I were at one point kind of talking about, you know, is this just going to be a, you know, a complete stinker? And then it comes out and it was just absolutely nails, um, Season two is as good, maybe with like that Billups episode and the uh, that one that I didn't like that much, um, the penultimate episode there, uh, that just were not quite as sharp, but still really, really good. So I'm very, very impressed, actually. Uh, they actually mentioned as well, I'm not sure who, but somebody in the production team mentioned that they were trying to make it seem like this was all just one big continuation so like um, it was written specifically to have the same feel the same energy um, the same I guess 
like everything as the uh, as that first season. So um, I do think that that shone through hundred percent. And uh, I, I, I mean, for me, if you were sitting here, you'd never seen it. You could probably watch twenty episodes, and you wouldn't know that it was two seasons, really. Yeah, I tend to think that the um, the feel and the energy and the, and the humor was all pretty consistent. Yeah, so I I did they not get an order for twenty episodes right off the bat? I think that. They did, and then when they, when this season was about to start, they told they said a third season was going to come out. I feel like that's how it went down. Um, so maybe they already kind of had plans originally for for that. But I mean, it's really easy if you want like some clickbait stuff to say that you're going to do two seasons or or whatever, and then you don't have to do it. Like they've been talking about that section 31 show for years and it still hasn't left the ground so um i mean it doesn't really it's not like you're legally bound to make it after you say that you're going to right (laughs) so um yeah i mean it it definitely feels very compact and i mean it could very easily be one season of of 20 episodes for sure yeah it was yeah it, it was very consistent with what we already saw i thought anyways uh, all right, what's up here on the next one is kind of just talking about the major story arc here is that they wanted to have some standalone episodes, obviously like the Mugatu episode and stuff, but they also wanted to continue the arc with the pack led. So um, did you think that that was a satisfying continuation from the first season? And also, did you feel that, uh, you know, the standalone episode stood alone? Uh, do you think that you should have maybe had less of it, maybe a little bit more discovery serialized uh, Star Trek, or is what we got perfect? Um, I like what they did. I, I thought the standalone episodes were really good, and they did stand on their own pretty well. Um, and I did like that they had this sort of ongoing thing that they kept revisiting with the Packlids, and you know, eventually we find out that some deranged Klingon was actually the one kind of pulling the strings um, behind the scenes. Uh, so yeah, no, I thought that... Uh, sort of both aspects of it were, were done pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think that all Star Trek should probably kind of fit into this mold. I don't really love the completely serialized Discovery slash, you know, like the later seasons of Deep Space Nine where it is completely 100%. Like, if you don't watch the previous episode, you have no idea what's going on. I think that this show is kind of the perfect blend for me where there's kind of a through line uh, for those of you that are watching it all the time, but really anybody could sit down and watch an episode here or there and it would still make sense. Um, I think that they did that very well. I like that the Packleds are going to be kind of like the main villain and it's obviously that they're not going to be going away. They're going to continue on into season three as well. So um, that's perfect as well. Uh, last couple of things here. They did a couple of, uh, you know, uh, mix-ups that we never saw before. We kind of talked about that already, but it was a conscious effort to pair up Tendi and Boimler or Tendi and Mariner for those particular episodes. And we're probably going to see kind of some new mixes and matches with the uh, command staff and the Ensign people for future seasons, which I think sounds great. Uh, and then the last thing, which I was kind of surprised with, uh, I read an article uh, with McMahon and he said that he wasn't happy with the LGBT uh, representation and topics that uh, didn't end up getting covered. 
Um, apparently, uh, Mariner is supposed to be a bisexual person, um, and that didn't come through in the animation or in the writing. Uh, so uh, did we ever learn that? Um, I, I kind of feel like uh, that is something that they, uh, like that was never really co co covered. Like, I don't know, am I, did I miss an episode or something? I, I kind of feel like, um, I kind of feel like that was something that I didn't really even think about. I feel like it was alluded to at one point that maybe she had been with someone of both sexes. Oh, okay. Like there was maybe like one sort of thing that she just very casually and quickly mentioned. Because I do feel like I remember something that alluded to it, but it wasn't like explicit. Um, is but that I could be wrong? Yeah, is that something that you want some more of? Like, do you think that they should kind of be delving into that kind of stuff? Um, with uh, Star Trek, with a, a comedy Star Trek episode, or do you think that that's the kind of serious stuff that maybe would be best served in the regular Star Trek series stuff? I don't think it would be out of place, to be honest. I mean, I think because of the nature of the show, and they do sort of have like a light-hearted way of, like, you remember that Mugatu episode where they were like doing it? Yes. Well, uh, they were hiding in the log. I mean, it's not like they're afraid to go that direction. To go there, yeah. So I, I don't really think it would. I, I would have a problem with, you know, if they, if they really, you know, uh, honed in on, you know, Mariner being bisexual. I, I, I think there there are certainly possibilities for some pretty funny stuff that you could do. If yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely feel like. Uh, there is the uh yeah the, it, there's something there it it seems slightly strange it was almost like uh you know somebody asked like how come the lgb community t community isn't uh represented and he was almost like oh well uh, mariner is supposed to be a bisexual person so i don't know if it was just kind of to like cover the, the bases or or to do it i kind of feel like if that was the na natural progression and that that was kind of the original thought then that was a great idea um i don't know that you need to shoehorn it in and i definitely don't think that you need to like force it uh you know like there's still lots of seasons of lower deck still to come i hope anyway um, so I, I think there's lots of time to explore that. Um, and I, I don't know that you need to rush it. Um, I almost kind of am weary of that um, just because um, uh, that character that they had in Discovery, um, what was her name or their name, I should say. Uh, oh, come on, help Adira. me out here. Adira. That was so rushed. And, and I felt like that was just not as well done as they probably could have done it. Um, and not to say that I have anything against that. I actually thought it was a great idea, but, uh, it was just so, uh, so lackadaisical with the way that they explained that and, and described that. And, um, I just, I mean, discovery is like that in and of itself. So I don't really want to see that with Mariner's character. Um, I would rather see something that's kind of like well thought out and has like a nice long progression where we can all, 
you know, take something away from it. I don't want them just to do it for the sake of doing it to appease, you know, the internet masses as it were. So um, that's kind of my hopes for it, but I, I don't have anything against it uh, necessarily. So um, that's something I guess to look forward to in season three, which um, I guess gets us to the very end of season two. So uh, Matt, what was your favorite episode of the season? And is there anything kind of in particular in terms of uh, quotes or scenes that uh, resonated or stuck out with you? Um, this season um i'm inclined to go with uh, the embarrassment of duplers as my favorite episode um i i know that that's probably not a popular choice um but i i just thought it was absolutely hilarious um just the the duplers the whole the, this whole notion that if you offend them they'll duplicate and everyone's tiptoeing around i thought it was i thought it was really funny and the the quote that i that jumped out at me from that episode that I think is probably my favorite of this, this, the season is when, you know, Shax gets all in his face and is like, your paw is weak. You offend me. And the guy's like, I don't even know what that means, but I don't like your tone. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was, uh, that, that was sort of the one that jumped out at, at me as being pretty funny. Yeah. I will, uh, you know what, that, that's gonna get the honorable mention for me. Um, I think that my top three would probably be Always Have Tom Paris, uh, the Dupler episode, and the I um, Excretus. So I think that I will go with uh, Always Have Tom Paris. Um, I just think that that is, that is such a, a funny episode. Uh, that's the one we also get the pairing of Mariner and Tendi where they go and get the libido post for Tana. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that whole episode is really, really funny. Um, and it's uh, my favorite one of the season in terms of like, uh, you know, kind of funniest moments. I, I guess I'll probably take the, the one you mentioned earlier where, uh, Boimler comes out of the, the shaft. He's going to get his plate signed and Tom Paris thinks it's a Kazon and just runs up and starts <laughs> wailing on him. So, um, that's probably my, uh, my favorite bit from season two. Uh, and that's it. That that's a wrap on uh, on Star Trek Lower Deck season two. So Matt, why don't you give me your final thoughts, um, and then a rating out of five ensigns. Yeah, I think Tom Paris gets the silver medal for me. Just to clarify, um, I don't want to you know really sort of do. I don't want to repeat a lot of what I said. I mean, I guess all I will say about this season as a whole is uh, still really good, still really funny. I loved watching. Uh, nine out of the ten episodes, I struggled a bit with the tenth, but, uh, you know, really funny, really good, uh, interesting stories, some good character development, as we've, we've talked about, uh, throughout the podcast here. Um, I will say that there were really, that, that Billups episode was, was, uh, to me, that's, it's not my kind of humor. I know that there are some people out there who probably love that stuff, that kind of, that kind of, you know, family guy style of humor it's not really my cup of tea uh per se and um i thought some of the callback methods were a little bit heavy-handed um so you know i'm gonna go four ensigns out of five i mean I, I did actually think about this a fair bit and i mean i'm i'm giving it four really for subjective reasons you know things that they're not really that they did and that they went to that really aren't my kind of my taste but i can totally understand how someone who has a different you know st sense of humor would look at this season and say 
oh, this is a five out of five. It was hilarious. I loved it every second of it. So like, you know, four out of five, still really good. Um, but I would say four out of five based almost solely on my own personal taste. So, I mean, take that for, for what it's worth. Yeah, and I mean, I don't necessarily think that the the season grades are indicative of the you know the episode grades on the on the regular RTR episodes. Um, for me, this is a five out of five ensigns. Um, probably, you know, if I had to if I had to come up with them, I'd probably say what uh, ensign Row, ensign Dax, ensign Chekhov. Uh, Ensign Kim, Ensign Mayweather, maybe. I don't know. Um, this is definitely five solid Ensigns out of five for me. This continues to be my favorite Star Trek episode that's on the air. Um, obviously, we got Star Trek Prodigy that's out now. Um, it doesn't bump out Lower Decks for me as of yet, or only a few uh, episodes in. Um, Discovery is probably not going to do it. And uh, I went back and I rewatched uh, season one of Picard. It ain't going to do it. So, I mean, for me, this is my favorite Star Trek show that's on the air. Um, and and for that reason, I, I got I to gotta go five out of five. Uh, it wasn't as good as the first season, I don't think. Um, I, there was just a couple of, like, missteps. But like you said, I do feel like there are people out there who probably love those episodes and probably are you know, yelling at their radios or their iPods as we speak. Uh, but yeah, th this is such a good <laughs> show. Um, it's kind of like one of those bittersweet things where the, the saddest part of it is probably going to be waiting the 10 months or whatever it's going to be until we get uh, get some more episodes because it's just consistently solid, like week in, week out, just solid. So um, yeah, love this show. Can't say enough good stuff about it. Well, we have reached the end of our season review of Star Trek Lower Decks. Super fun time, as always. Um, and as we uh, conclude this season, we will uh, put some episodes back into the uh, USS Cerritos gift shop hat of episodes. Uh, ten brand new Lower Decks episodes are going to be uh, added to the hat, so they will be fair game for our uh our regular podcast and we have had a lower decks uh episode come up already so who knows maybe in the near future we'll draw a season two episode yeah definitely and uh this kind of marks the first uh quarter of uh this big long super star trek season right uh we are in the midst of star trek prodigy right now uh star trek discovery season four is going to drop in a couple weeks time and then uh, they have announced that star trek picard season two is going to drop in what january february of 2022 so matt um where does star trek lower decks fit on your kind of ranking of excitement of those four shows that i just mentioned um i would say it's probably at the top Right. And then uh, going down in, uh, you know, sequential order. What about the other three in terms of excitement level? I don't know. I don't know how low I can go here. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a level of intrigue, I suppose, at what direction they go with Discovery in season four. I am very in intrigued by what Prodigy turns out to be. And I'm intrigued at how bad Star Trek Picard is going to be because that trailer... <laughs> 
does not look promising to me, but I who knows, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. I mean, to be honest with you, I think the season, the show that excites me the most is Strange New Worlds from what I've oh, seen and heard. Yeah, I didn't even mention that. I, I do think that they finished filming season one. So uh, I said yes. that this was the first quarter, but I mean, realistically, we might get that show even as early as like the spring or summer of next year. So um, maybe that is the one that we should be kind of hanging our hats on. Um that being said, I don't know that I have much faith in the live action show. I think for me, even if we include Strange New Worlds, we're probably talking about Lower Decks is my favorite. Uh, most excited, most interested. Now we're going to drop down. Uh, we'll throw Strange New Worlds in there. Um, I think I'm probably more interested in Star Trek Prodigy just because it's going to be something different. Um, I think Discovery and Picard, we know exactly what we're going to get and we ain't going to like it. It's like going in for a root canal. Um, you know, you know, you know what it is, uh, but that's not necessarily a good thing. You're not going to enjoy it. So, um, for me, I'm not looking forward to those, uh, Star Trek discovery nearly didn't make it through season three. Um, I can't see how it's going to get better with, uh, you know, Burnham as the captain. So, uh, I guess we'll see what that is. Um, Picard, I guess I'll put it forth, but yeah, uh, this was definitely probably the high watermark. Uh, and I'm hopefully I'm wrong. I'm hoping that we're going to meet up, Matt, in a few months' time, and uh, we're going to be talking about how great they all are. Yes, we'll certainly uh, be sure to tell everyone what we thought, and uh, who knows, we may be pleasantly surprised. All right, and make sure that you're back in two weeks' time for our regular RTR episode. We are into uh, Star Trek Enterprise, a little uh, series premiere with Broken Bow, so make sure you check out that one as well, um, and uh, we'll see you for that. So bye-bye, everybody. So long, folks. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program 4, The Sci-Fi Feminist, a feminism and pop culture podcast. I think I binged the first season of Discovery in one weekend. I was so blown away because for the first time, we see this diverse crew consisting of an Asian female captain played by Michelle Yeoh, of course, who's one of my favorite actors, and various other characters of color on the bridge crew. And then most significantly of all, of course, is that for the first time in Star Trek history, we see a black woman, Michael Burnham, as the main protagonist. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Yeah, so we cut to night time. Harry sneaks out of the bed and starts looking up Voyager with his security codes, etc. Um, again, should be in underwear, but... Computer, show me Tom Paris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> show me his location right now. Oh, he's 450 meters away. <laughs> hey. Oh my gosh, it was Grongle. <laughs> he's like, I have to go to a hookup. Olivia, I have to go to Bear. I had to, he found, he found him Tom on, and on Space on Star Grindr. Trek Grinder, and he's like, it's Space Grinder. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.